welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, November 6th, 2022 called, Called in His Name, Lazarus, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of John, chapter 11, verses 43 and 44. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. God's grace and his mercy and his peace are yours in Jesus. And uh, there's an outline if you want to follow along. We've been talking about people who've been called by name. Our theme this year from Isaiah 43, fear not, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. So we, we really have looked at a whole number of characters through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. And this one is Lazarus. What's, what's intriguing to me about this is with Lazarus, timing is a big thing. You know, that wait a couple days and he's been in the tomb for four days. And, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. I wanted to show you a couple of little comic strips here on time. Do you remember Calvin and Hobbes, anybody? Loved it. Anyway, Calvin mocks the bully and his timing is bad. Did you catch that? He's mocking the bully. In humor, timing is everything. He gets beat up. He picked the wrong time. How about this one? Let's go to the next one. Can you tell us the breaking news about how you cured cancer? Oop, and the Oscar goes to... Oh, sorry. So the thing that's more important gets preempted for the thing that's more popular. Um, Timing... Timing is a big deal. And when you see different characters who've been called by name in the New Testament in particular, you can go on to, let's go on to the first thing. Um, You know, like Peter. When Jesus renames Peter and he he calls to him Peter, um, there's a timing thing. Peter has just confessed Christ is Messiah. There's another time when Jesus calls Peter and he says, you know, he's boasting and bragging about how he's going to stand by Jesus and Jesus says, oh, Simon, Simon, I prayed for you. I'm praying for you. That Satan doesn't sift you like wheat, you know. You're going to go through a rough spot. Or remember Mary and Martha in the house and Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha sweeping away and mad that Mary's not helping him. And Jesus calls her by name, doesn't he? Martha, Martha. In this moment, you're picking the wrong thing. This is not the important thing. Mary's found the thing. Um, So it's interesting. Timing is a big deal because in this, it is very interesting that Jesus gets word and the word is the one you love is sick, really sick. You know, you don't come and make that trip, that two-day trip for a cold. The one you love is sick. These are dear friends of Jesus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They live together, brothers and uh, brother and sisters. We are pretty suspicious that they had some wealth, they had some means, um, and were financial supporters of Jesus. We don't know that for sure, but we kind of think so. Um, and so if, if you didn't know this, um, Mary, which also is Miriam in the Bible, the, by far the most common female name in the New Testament era. Uh, there, you, there's Mary, Marys and Miriams everywhere. Uh, some estimates are that it was like one of every three girls was named Mary. So really, really intriguing to me. So there's a bunch of Marys involved. Mary Magdalene, you know, and Mary and Martha, and you have Mary, the mother of Jesus. But he waits, doesn't he? He waits. It's hard for us, isn't it? When we cry out to Jesus and he chooses to wait. 
Why can't you tell me now? Why can't you act now? I got four things I want to share with you on this because Lazarus intrigues me because he's a character, huge character, because he foreshadows the Easter, doesn't he? Comes out of a tomb, much like Jesus' tomb, rich man's tomb. Has a stone. He's not dumped in a hole in the ground. He's got a stone. It's a chamber. Four days. He's really dead, right? Princess Bride. He's not mostly dead. He's really dead. So dead that he's going to smell. And boy, there's so many things you can say in this. Chris and I were saying before, we could preach for six weeks on this. There's so four things. The character who never speaks, we never hear from him. Is that crazy? That's kind of crazy. But he's spoken to. He's called to by Jesus. You know, we say this to people, um, and I've taught it in Bible class, I've said it in sermons, the worst thing that can happen to you is not dying. And we've lived through, we lived through two years when that was absolutely what was being said publicly everywhere. The worst thing that can happen to you is dying. And so let's do all of these things, a, my, a myriad of a billion different things to keep you from dying. Okay, it's a big hurricane deal, I get it. It's not the worst thing. Christians know the worst thing is to die without Christ. I'm going to edit that just a little bit in this particular instance, though, for Lazarus. Lazarus is intriguing. You know when you're in Sunday school and the Sunday school teacher says, okay, bring, you've got to memorize a Bible verse, come back next week. People pick this one, verse 42. Isn't it verse 42? No, 35. Verse 35 in John chapter 11, two words, Jesus wept. And so did their Sunday school teachers when they came back with that one. Jesus wept. Powerful words, though, just those two words. Jesus weeps. You think about this for a minute. Why does Jesus weep? Because there's a worse thing that can happen to you than dying without Jesus. There's a subset of one. There's one. You think about it for a minute. Why does he weep? Doesn't Jesus know he waits? He knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So some people say, because the next verse is, see how he loved him? You know, Jesus is weeping at the tomb, and they go, wow, he has such empathy and compassion. But then some snarky guys said, he, he gave blind people their sight. Why couldn't he help out his buddy? And so, so Jesus is there weeping. And now is he weeping because of empathy for Mary and Martha? This, by the way, in Jewish culture, huge loss. You lose the dude in the house. And you have two unattached women, not good. Not good at all. Was he being compassionate, empathetic? But he knows he's bringing him back, right? He knows, I'm going to reveal the glory. of This happened. He tells his disciples, this happened that we could reveal the glory of God. So why? And I've speculated on this many times. And I'm, look, this is me just guessing. It doesn't say this in the Bible. Think about it. He has to bring Lazarus back. From heaven. That would make me cry. I think Jesus sits there sobbing because he says he's in paradise. He's in perfect union with me, my father. He's in perfect union with God. He's in eternity. And I'm going to drag him back to this place. 
We only imagine this place is pretty good because we don't know better. It's much better somewhere else. So Jesus weeps. Why? Because Jesus acts in his way and his time. I want to give a word of encouragement to you. Jesus knows and feels our deep pains. Jesus weeping, he knows the hurt. He knows the loss. I love to teach this to, to, my, to confirmation kids all the time. We pray in Jesus' name. I love, I love that we have a Savior who is fully human. Because every time I come to him, I say, so Jesus, they, they lied about me again. Do you know what that feels like? Yep. My friends didn't stand up for me. Do you know what that's like? Yeah. Even my parents didn't believe me or trust me. Do you know what that's like? And on and on. Do you know what it's like? I'm going through chemotherapy. I'm in agony. Do you know what that's like? And he says yes. I'm alone. I got no one standing up for me. And he says, I know. And never leaves you. And never leaves. Jesus knows and feels our deep pains. The thing that's so valuable about this, he acts in his way in time. And that's the thing that I, I find fascinating about this story because he waits. He waits. Now, if you're, on, if you're Mary or Martha, you hear him. Jesus shows up and you hear him. And you can imagine him being very snarky. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, explain yourself. Now, you can also read that as a tremendous statement of faith, right? I know that if you were here, you had power over this. So in many ways, you know, this is why it's always interesting. We speculate on the backstory and the side story and what's going on. Because the way that goes is he meets Mary. Lord, if you'd been here, our brother would not have died. Your brother will live again. And Mary goes, yeah, yeah, I know that at the end time, at the last, call, at the last day. He will rise again at the resurrection of all things, is what she says. And Jesus says, this is where it's great. Hey, just so you know, I'm the resurrection. When I rise from the dead, death will be defeated. Because when Jesus rises from the dead, he never dies again. And neither do you. When he raises us, never to die again. Jesus acts in his way and his time. I have to ask for some prayers. This is just a personal thing. A wonderful colleague of mine, Paul, he's the president of our denomination. They, they, Paul and Cindy, they're classmates of Teresa and, and, and me. I, I have been his vice, vice president for a dozen years. And uh, his wife was diagnosed with metastatic kidney cancer. She's our age. And so it's, tough. it's a tough call. So I need you to pray for them, if you would. Paul and Cindy, they've asked for that now. We've kind of known for a couple of weeks that they just asked for it. Jesus acts when he pleases, how he pleases, for his purposes. Second point. You know, we're watching The Chosen on Wednesday nights and then talking about it. It's pretty low-key. You should come if you want. 6.30. Just turn it on here. I, I don't even... Sorry, I don't prepare. <laughs> I just watch it with you and we talk. 
Um, but one of the comments I made last week was because they really introduce a whole series of characters, key characters. Mary Magdalene possessed by demons. They portray Peter as being really in financial deep hurt. We don't know that, but they do that. You have Nicodemus who's full of arrogance and pride and so forth. You have all these different characters, and it's really interesting because they are a hot mess. Jesus doesn't come because you're doing fine. Jesus comes because we're a hot mess. Here's the second point. Great loss calls for even greater love, acts of love. My favorite novel of all time is, uh, is, is weird, kind of obscure. It's C.S. Lewis's book called Paralandra. It's in a three-part kind of science fiction trilogy, Out of the Silent Planet, Paralandra, That Hideous Strength. And I love it because there's a scene. So they go to Venus, and Venus is a new world with an Adam and an Eve, and it hasn't fallen into sin. And Lewis speculates. There's an agent of the devil, a person, a man, come there, and then God sends a man named Ransom. That's a cool name. And they are in there, and Ransom is supposed to kind of prevent the devil's agent from causing Eve to sin. And it goes on and on, this big debate and so forth. And there comes a point where God says to the man, Ransom, you know what you got to do, the devil's agent? You got to kill him. You just got to kill him. And Ransom can't wrap his head around this. Isn't it a spiritual battle? Isn't it, you know, what's going on? What do we do? Until he finally, he says, I'm not doing it. I ain't, I'm not doing that. And it's, and it's revealed to him this. You can make that choice. God put you in this spot and you can make that choice. And if this world falls and falls into sin and brokenness like earth, God will redeem it. But it will take an act of exponentially greater love and greater sacrifice. I want you to know this. If you're going through a hard time or if you experienced loss or if you walked away from God and you think there's no way back, let me tell you what, there is no place you can go, God is not. And there is no place you can go where God will not come get you and come and bring you home. He's on his way. He comes for us. Great loss calls for even greater love. He gets it. Jesus expends that in order to reveal his love to us all. You know, one of my good friends, um, Rufus, Dr. Van Dyke, he has a phrase, and this is a risky phrase. He prays it over his kids. Be careful if you want to think about adopting this phrase. But he longs for all his children and his grandchildren to know Jesus and to be in heaven together. And his prayer to God is this, Lord, do whatever it takes. That's a risky prayer. C.S. Lewis, you know, pain in this world. C.S. Lewis, I love how he comments on this. He calls pain God's megaphone to a dying world. You know, I have often taught, you know, God doesn't send evil upon us, right? God, certainly God never wishes evil upon us. God does not seek to harm us. God does not seek to damage us. But how many of you as parents, if you're in the parking lot and your kid's about to dash out and there is a car bearing down on your child, would not yank your kid's arm out of its socket 
to pull that kid back to safety. I pray to God you would. Sometimes. And this is one of those moments with Lazarus, I think. Mary and Martha are grieving, truly grieving. They're hurting. They're in a, and Lazarus, Lazarus, in the experience of death, and now to be drawn back from it, do whatever it takes. God will make a way. God is making a way. Jesus said to them, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? If I had rushed back, and Lazarus was just hurting, and I, and I gave him, I spoke a blessing over him, and he recovered. Would you see the full glory of God? Would you see that I control and conquer death? That I have complete and utter authority to speak words of life into every human heart? Would you have seen that glory? That's hard for us to hear sometimes. Because sometimes we're going through a time when God's wielding a bat. Not because he delights in it, but because we may not be able to hear it any other way. This is a difficult moment. Do you remember the number three? Let me give you a number three. This one's to come out. Lazarus, come out. 2018, do you remember the Thai kids who were trapped in a cave? There were 12 kids and then a 13th, one of their coaches. They were trapped in there and it was rainy season and the water level rose. And in order to save themselves, they couldn't go out the entrance. They had to go farther into the cave. They were almost two and a half kilometers in. And for nine days, the world kind of just stopped and we watched. Because they had to, as the water filled up and they were in a pocket of air, they had to scuba in. And there were sections where they had to take a deep breath, take the scuba gear off, pull it along after them to get to the next open air. Lazarus is in, a, Lazarus is in this spot. When those scuba guys came after... Nine days. They, when that scuba man came through, they could finally see a glimmer of light. And he popped his head up and saw them. And he said, how many of you are, there, are, are here? They said, 13. And he said, brilliant. Because that meant everybody was still alive. And they had a plan how to bring him back, but they had to say to him, come with us. Jesus is acting here for Lazarus. We, we kind of wonder, why did he wait? But Jesus still went to the place. Jesus went to them. He went to that moment of loss and disaster for Mary and Martha, and he went there and called. Jesus is doing that all the time. If you're in a dark spot, Jesus is calling. He is longing. He is longing. Come into the light. Come to me. I am light and I am life. Come out. And it's because of Jesus' life-giving call that it allows us to come. It's Jesus who returned him to life. It's Jesus who returns us to life. It's Jesus' invitation that says, come with me. It isn't that the hurts don't happen or that the hurts disappear. It's that Jesus says, I am going to walk with you through every one. I will never abandon you or leave you. And so Jesus' invitation, Jesus shows up and he invites our response. And then the last thing that I find interesting, and this one to me is intriguing. You know, in, um, I went to two Concordias. I went to one in undergrad, and then I went to seminary for my graduate degree. And I, I had great memories at those places. Because college and seminary are awesome, and they're not quite the real world. 
Um, but I had great, great experiences and friends always there. And I had t-shirts and I wore them out. And I would refuse to throw them away. Teresa tried to throw them away. And I would rescue them from the garbage. I think she burned one one time because I still can't find it. They are old. They were gross. And they were gross, stained and holy and sweat stains. and They were gross, but every one of those had a memory. And not all of them were great. Not, of the, not all of them were memories I should be proud of. I think we all have a set of grave clothes. Stuff that's in the back. Some stuff that's in our history. And sometimes we actually cling to them. Sometimes we hang on to them like a badge of honor. You know, I went through that thing and nobody understands it but me. That's my badge of honor. And Jesus' first command to him, he says, come out. And the first thing he says to him when he comes out is take off the grave clothes and let him be free. Let him go. And so we are so ready to, to hang on to those grave clothes. You know, I, I spent time in Africa, and, and, and I love history. They say this all the time. If you were to go back in history, what would happen? You know, like if you time traveled? I think I've told you this before, but this happened in Africa too. What would you, you would be assaulted by the smell. Like if you went back to the Middle Ages and you arrived in a village, you would just go, oh, you know, your eyes would water, you might puke, you know, things like that. But you know what? After about two days, you'd be used to it. And that's what we do, don't we? We get used to the smell. And so thanks be to God, Jesus never gets used to the smell. He gets used to us because he loves us. But he comes and he says, take off those grave clothes because I'm going to give you some new. I'm going to give you new clothes. In your baptism, new clothes. Every time you hear the words of grace from this place and the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ died for you. Your sins are forgiven. New clothes. Every time you come here to receive Christ in his body and blood, new clothes. Every time you hear a promise of God, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. New clothes. And so we can take off those grave clothes and leave them behind. Because Christ himself will give us his to his glory, even as he takes ours upon himself and makes us new. To his glory, he walks with us, he calls to us, and he grants new life. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org and make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.